0: Thanks to Luke from Vancouver. Meow. In honor of Argyle hitting theaters, what's your answer to this week's mystery lightning round question?
1: <laughs> I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going with Baxter from Anchorman. Nobody would see it coming.
2: I'm going to go on my patches. I'm going to go with the Push Me Pull You from Dr. Doolo. You get two for the price of one. And it's me, Dave with the seven, who's
0: saying chance from Homeward Bound. David, have you guessed the lightning round question?
3: Something about... Cats in movies related to Argyle?
0: Ooh, really close, honestly. Uh, You are close. Uh, What would your answer be to that question?
3: Cats in movies related to Argyle? (laughs) It's not really a question. (laughs) It's a statement. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, I've been so Argyle-pilled, I I might have to go with Alfie, the cat from Argyle. (laughs) Wow.
0: (laughs) Thanks for answering this (laughs) week's lightning round question. Which cinematic animal would make the best spy in the next Matthew Vaughn film? Well... I think
1: so I close. David Nail
3: <laughs> Yeah, I, I really uh, I think I have the most accurate answer there.
0: Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room! Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming
2: through fine. I'm coming through fine
3: too, eh? Good, then well then as you say we're both coming through fine. Good. Well it's good that you're
1: fine then and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's on podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 460. It is the week of Wednesday, January 31st. That's the day that in 1999, the 15th annual Sundance closed with uh, the winner Three Seasons. I don't have the first mm-hmm. clue what Three Seasons is. Is anybody? It's a oh. Vietnamese
0: film. Well that, then. Uh, did very well in 1999. What a year for cinema!
1: What a year for cinema! Um, I feel like before we get into the usual part of it, um, Dave, would you like to explain what happened with this week's lightning round question?
0: Yes, Luke from Vancouver sent us an email that thought it would be funny because uh, David doesn't read the lightning round question beforehand to keep it secret, and maybe both for listeners and for David, it would be fun to suss out what lightning round question well, we were answering. I would <laughs> like
3: Luke to to have the satisfaction of knowing that I was very confused because I was given no warning about this. And thought that I once again tuned out uh, to when Dave had said the lightning round question at the top of the recording, uh, and was basically panicking until that was the point. Uh, before yeah. before I got there. Dave at least spared me. I thought it was going to be a real like you didn't do your homework and the teacher called on you in class at kind a of moment. But Dave at least had the kindness to uh, let me know that I hadn't missed anything.
1: And you did it's, pretty it's, well.
3: You did well. Yeah it
0: didn't it didn't throw you as much as it just sent you into a momentary panic. And I'm sorry. Mm. And Luke is sorry for taking a week (laughs) off of your life with that, but... I don't think either of you are. (laughs) Okay,
1: fair fair enough. It would have been a horrible week. David, did you do your other homework, which is uh, knowing if we have any reviews this week?
3: Always, always. uh, We do. We have two new reviews. The first is from EJM122191, who says, Fun and insightful. Updating my previous five-star review to a five-star review. That's, uh, that's kind of update in my book. Wow. Um, I, just, I just didn't realize how much this show would come to mean to me after going through a series of life challenges last year. Always interesting conversations that could sometimes be contentious, but always respectful. Some of the best laughs I've had recently haven't been from movies, but from the fighting in the war room group bantering. Mm. I want to selfishly use this space to hopefully have a question answered on the pod. I just watched Scorsese's The Last Waltz. It rules. I'm a huge fan of Stop Making Sense as well. I trust y'all's taste, so any additional music doc recs that are in that vein... I feel like modern music docs are so aggressive in their presentation. As much as I like it, the era's tour sort of comes to mind. There's a calmness and frankly craft that is far more apparent in the Scorsese and Demi films. Truly, thank you all. I have a huge backlog of podcasts, unfortunately, but this is one that I always stay up to date on.
1: David, I feel like I know what you're going to
3: recommend. Well, you guys go first.
1: Uh, I was going to say on the Demi track, he made his last movie, I think, was a Justin Timberlake concert doc. And I realized that the uh, Justin Timberlake's place in pop culture is really not what it was uh, when this movie came out in 2015 or whatever. We that.
2: back at a previous podcast. Have we really? No. Are you joking? We oh, just- Justin
1: Timberlake or this movie? Timberlake. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. I okay. just couldn't remember okay. if we had talked about this movie. It's uh, like Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, as a basic white person, I guess I still like Justin Timberlake. So your mileage <laughs> may vary, but I thought it was pretty good. Give
2: yourself a little credit a
1: basic. Okay, uh, slightly uh, above basic person. Uh, person. Um, so yeah, if you like... So, I mean, no, not if you like something. Makes if you are intrigued enough by Justin Timberlake, doc, to give it a shot, it's worth it.
3: What did What did uh, you think I was going to say? Yeah, what was David
1: Miss goes? Americana.
3: Oh, sure. That's
2: not a concert film.
3: It is not no, a concert film. No, I
1: guess film. you're right. It's not um,
3: really. There is actually very little concert footage. That's just hagiography. That. But there are... I mean, there are a lot of other... <laughs> movies that came to mind about musicians or bands that I think are right on the periphery of being considered a concert doc. Like if you want a very opposite experience from either stop making sense to the last walls, which it doesn't sound like this person does. Uh, I, the radio and documentary meeting people is easy is a great, like what it's really like to be a musician in a skyrocketing band on tour. Who
2: directed uh slice
3: of life. Uh, guy, gonna... gee, guy G. Okay. G Mick G's uh brother. Mick, yes, of course. Um, and, uh, what are some other ones that comes to mind? I mean, American Utopia, on a, a, obviously, which I assume this person has seen, if they're a Big Stop Making Sense fan, and if not, they should. Here's one that um, comes to
2: mind for, for me, and it's not an exact uh, concert movie, but on the Spike Lee wavelength there with American Utopia, I, I was a big fan of his, uh, filmed version of Passing Strange. I don't know oh if yeah. you saw the, the student musical- as uh, Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a Broadway show shot where you see the stage. I mean, it's not like a musical adaptation, right? It's a concert mm-hmm. of the musical shot by Spike Lee. I feel like there's something like that. There's, this is more on the wavelength of a concert than a, like, a Hairspray movie or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I love that musical. I yeah. love those songs. And it was really cool to see Spike Lee kind of, like, shoot the hell out of it.
1: I feel like I should I say homecoming, to, yeah. uh, Beyonce's homecoming, before someone yells at us. That's obviously a great one.
2: I didn't, I did not see this film yet. Have you? Have you it's actually seen homecoming? On or you Netflix,
1: that? I think.
2: Yeah, oh, wait, great. homecoming No, wait. Oh, I'm, thi- I'm sorry. Oh, I, was thinking the Renaissance. Renaissance. I have not seen. Thing of Renaissance.
1: Yes. I have not seen Renaissance.
0: Renaissance is go- fine. I think you missed your chance because seeing it in AMC where they still had the subwoofer turned up to uh, Dead Reckoning Part One levels <laughs> was really uh, the best part of Renaissance.
3: I often go back to, um, I mean, at least mentally, I don't often pop it on because who has the time, but uh, the like semi, I mean, uh, calling it a concert doc at all would be uh, misleading, but it does end climactically with some killer concert footage. Is the National doc mistaken for strangers about the lead singer of the National's brother and his relationship with Matt Berninger? Um, I think vibe wise, it's sort of on this wavelength, even if it's not necessarily just a concert doc.
0: I have oh, a weird one if he wants to go really outside the box, but, uh, did any of you guys happen to catch, uh, the little, music documentary that came out in 2006 called, I Trust You to Kill Me?
3: No. Um, no. why does that sound familiar?
0: Because there's you a every movie. Uh,
3: there's
0: a little band mm. in the UK called Raka, DeLuca, and the Burden, which you will never hear about except for this movie, because Kiefer Sutherland decided he was gonna manage their tour... In 2006. In 2005.
1: That sounds incredible, actually.
0: He
3: wanted to be a manager? Why?
0: I mean, (laughs) uh, because this is also... um, I mean, why is Michael
2: Shannon an REM cover band right now? All of these things. Famous people like doing things.
0: Yeah, the reason um, this one is probably still available somewhere is there is one point where Kiefer Sutherland's drinking on the tour, and he randomly, in the, the lobby of a hotel room, just full-on dive tackles a Christmas tree, and that footage is in I Trust You to Kill
2: Me. That's really opening the can of worms that, of Kiefer Sutherland's drinking history, which I feel like is scattered That's... documentation across the internet. Feel free to look that up. But I'm not, yes. uh, yeah, you're... you're scratching and stuff all
3: right um all
2: right. wait can i throw, we're one, more trouble, thing? Can throw one more letter? thing one more
1: thing uh if you're saying on the scorsese beat rolling thunder review the bob dylan doc that he released the same year as the irishman I, it's it's fun it's not really a concert doc either it's got concert footage but then it's got a bunch of sections that are entirely made up including sharon stone talking about sleeping with bob dylan um and uh, they never tell you that they're made up and it's fun so
2: did you watch all of those movies for your screen draft sure did meeting? i watched
1: all of the scorsese movies I don't, I don't, I don't. for my screen draft appearance yep yeah you should listen to me on screen movie. we, about we every don't know scorsese that movie. sharon
3: stone didn't sleep with bob Dylan. I'm just <sighs> i mean
1: saying. that's true i mean i put nothing past sharon stone <laughs> i
3: mean why why not she lived the life um And we also have Blue Sky is Doomed, says Mac J. I came to this podcast, like many others, through some combination of blank check and finding Ehrlich's year-end montages on kotki.org. I love the host's old friend group vibe, combined with the knowledge and insight you get from getting a bunch of people who do media commentary for a living together. In a different era, I would have loved to follow everybody on Twitter, but I've abandoned that husk of a site, and at the end of every episode, I sure wish I'd hear at least one Post call out a Mastodon handle. Yes, I did write a whole dang <laughs> review just to plug non-corporate social media, but podcasts are such a great example of decentralized media. I don't understand why people don't consider that other forms of media can work that way to federate the world, says MacJ. I'm for that. Federate I'm looking to see.
1: Oh, I do still have Mastodon on my federated. phone. I'm looking yeah, this right.
3: up. Katie,
0: aren't you and I on the coffee server?
1: <laughs> I think so. I don't really know how to find I, it,
0: though.
2: I am not going to do Mastodon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I am mean, not going to be mad. It feels like plugging in multiple with... wires to the like call board or whatever. I just cannot with Mastodon. Blue Sky, I don't mind having five followers there.
3: Yeah. I, I, I sympathize with Matt's uh with Mac, rather, with Mac's request, but the problem is that people, for social media sites to become valuable and become hubs of conversation and whatnot, people actually have to want to use them. Um, and. Uh, I feel terrible that I'm still on Twitter, but if I want anything I share to be read by anybody or to see what anyone has to say, still uh, infinitely more helpful than Blue Sky, which do you get traffic from
1: Letterboxd on your reviews? I would imagine there's an overlap there.
3: No, there it's is a not. There is not have. There is not ever been, and may never be, a social media platform that actually drives traffic yeah, no, reliably to <laughs> websites. There seems um, to be the big
2: misconception with the audience yeah. that that we have that people think that there's like such thing as clickbait in this era. Yeah, no, there's, you know, it's like, uh, there's no clicking. Facebook did it once. Let's be real. Once
3: I cannot time. tell you how many people I have met who have said that you know I uh, well. It's not always love, but some iteration of uh, I love your reviews on Letterboxd, as if they don't even get to the part where I link to <laughs> as the if you for Letterboxd. For my job <laughs> um, on, uh, on IndieWire. And uh, so that's just an indication as to how little click through there is anywhere. But uh, Letterboxd, I certainly feel like people who care about movies are seeing what I have to say you know, more reliably than they would on any other social media platform. So that's something um david
2: loves elon musk that's what he's saying
3: love my favorite part my favorite guy one of my guys you gotta stay really. on x <laughs> um never done anything are you go more, x never pro will.
2: Or are you gonna do tweet deck but for x are you gonna subscribe <laughs> i
3: i was a twitter blue subscriber before the elon Musk takeover, <laughs> and uh that's because i wanted the ability well i wanted the ability to edit tweets it seemed for 2.99 a month given uh how much i'm on that platform it seemed like uh it was worthwhile, to admit and then years. when Elon Musk bought it and completely changed what it means to be verified and down. how the whole platform worked, I stopped paying him money. Uh, and that is where I stand now. Anyway, those are our reviews. If you'd like to oh. leave us one, we will read it live on the show. Go on iTunes, podcast, whatever decentralized app you use, and uh, these go fighting in, the, fighting in the war room, <laughs> federate reviews, and we'll read it here. Tell us your thoughts, your feelings, about movies, about us, about anything, really. Um, or you can email us. Dave,
0: you're podcast At fitwr.podcast.gmail.com. Like Connor, who is accusing David Ehrlich of cheating. Uh, this person says they were going to leave this as an
2: uh, oh iTunes God. review. No, keep going.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh,
0: it turns out that Connor has already left us a five-star um, iTunes review talking about when we were talking about X-Men First Class. So, rather than overriding that, uh, he sent this email. The main reason why I'm writing in is because I have this hunch that David Ehrlich is rigging his own game in his favor. The preface, my year is never over until David's video gets released. So, Happy New Year, I guess. This is the most brilliant one yet, and the cutting is masterful, maybe too masterful. I'm only going to discuss the 25th and 25th fourth slots to not spoil the rest of the rankings for whoever didn't watch yet. Starting Priscilla off at 25 with the opening lyrics from I'm Just Ken saying... Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I have feelings I can't explain. Driving me insane. All my life been so polite. Which was just perfect. The lyrics just fit the film so well. But then that led into Ironclaw at 24 and I hear, Is not my destiny to live and die a life of blonde fragility? I started thinking to think of myself, Does David rearrange the order of some of his movies of his top 25 to better fit the needle drop? Says-
2: I'm gonna step up for David here. Uh, As his lawyer, as his lawyer, it has been established (laughs) that he does. There
1: is legal precedent for this.
2: We are on the record saying no questions for my client, please, (laughs) because he's said this before. This
3: is like when I was a teenager and I discovered that you didn't have to have. Uh, a card from a particular bank to open the vestibule at an ATM. You could just use any (laughs) card with a magnetic strip. And I felt like I cracked the world wide open. Um, (laughs) Yes, I am. I am happy to admit that I care a lot more about the uh, experience of watching that video than I do, you know, semantically going in and deciding, quantifying somehow the difference between what's my 24th and 25th favorite movies of the year. I do it within a certain limit. You're not going to see my favorite movie of the year in the 23rd spot or vice versa, just to, um, goose the video. But, uh, yeah, I think within, within, uh, within certain limits, it has to be done.
0: <laughs> and our next be. email comes from Jeff in Seattle. The subject is just Monarch exclamation point, which made me happy. That was the name of my high school. I thought for a second, uh, it was a Colorado person, but Jeff is definitely from Seattle. Hi, Fitware cohorts, uh, cohorts. last time, for, long time, first time, huge fan of the pod and the Fighting in the War Room adjacent podcast universe, love the recent live Little Gold Men with Lily Gladstone, Major Katie Rich Stan here. That said, nothing has made me want to write in more than hearing the Fitware crew discuss Monarch Season 1 and then watching Monarch Season 1. David Ehrlich, total vindication for the record. I desperately need anyone to tell me why this show wouldn't have been better as a two-hour movie and why I, as a Godzilla fan, and particularly a fan of the human stories in Godzilla, including love for the -the on-the-ground 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla, should have ever cared for a multi-hour story that hinges on a reveal of what happened to the never-before-seen children of the never-before-seen stepson of John Goodman's character in Kong Skull (laughs) Island. (laughs) <laughs> i feel insane for having watched eight hours of this show and need someone to explain to me why the show featuring some of the worst hacking scenes since csi wow. miami circa 2014 should be justified with another year of wasting old curse russell's remaining time on film <laughs> thanks love you all jeff i miss Jay, this can one you,
2: can you defend this can you can defend, I defend the this? finale of monarch Yes, spoilers
0: for the finale of Monarch. Yes, the middle of Monarch Legacy of Monsters got really soft, but I really enjoyed the two final episodes where um, the series finally took the human characters but escalated their plot to the level of ridiculous as the rest of the MonsterVerse. If you thought Hollow Earth was too much of a lift for Kong uh, X uh, Godzilla... Um, sorry, there was just Godzilla versus Kong. They were definitely fighting in that one. <clears throat> you are we thrilled about the Axis Mundi, another level below the surface, Hollow Earth, within the, Hollow Earth, above the Hollow Earth, where there is time dilation. Oh, so good. you might be like, why is uh, Wyatt Russell playing Kurt Russell in the '40s when Kurt Russell in the present day would therefore be. 90 something that's because is a time dilated series they go down into this like other part of the hollow earth they all get to meet their grandma their grandma has to fucking cope with the fact that she (laughs) fell in love with Wyatt Russell now Kurt Russell's here
2: the bending over backward they have to do to make sure that Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell can play father yeah the same character is incredible
0: Which is funny, because it was like a question throughout the series for me. Uh, I will say that Jeff, uh, specifically the the brother character, whose name I can't even remember now, uh, he really uh, sucks. Uh, But, you know, May, despite her bad hacking, uh, did give us a little peek into Apex, so I'm interested. Here's the thing, Godzilla movies are stupid. I don't know what you're expecting from Godzilla X-Kong, The New Empire. Uh, but I was waiting for this one to uh, not only develop characters, which I think it did well over its like first four episodes, uh, but then get stupid, which it definitely did in its last two, leading up to them exiting the Axis Mundi onto Skull Island, where Kong is attacking the station they're at, and they've been gone two years. Of course I want to see a season two. I've also heard that the... Uh, <laughs> uh, not Matt Fraction, but the other executive producer of the show... would like to adapt Hetera the smog monster which is one of my favorite Godzilla movies for just how weird and stupid it is if we get to season two so yeah bring me more dumb I dumb with good creature effects I don't have (laughs) that sounds like a tv show to me
3: Speaking of Apple TV giving season two things, I, oh, yeah. I was under the impression yes. that Hijack, which we all this enjoyed and, okay, and yeah. discussed over the summer, was uh, a limited series, you if think. you will. Uh, yeah. You would think. Unless, you know, we we finally have met you another character who has John McClane levels of bad luck uh, in terms of. Uh, where maybe he's he living the case, same day
2: there. over and over or something
3: I mean I would have to think that Hijack season 2 we're talking about Hijack which was surprisingly got, renewed for a it season got, 2 Yeah, renewed. Um, is and then maybe I he's on a train this time or oh, yeah, this is my some, pitch my, pi-
2: my but, pitch is that the mob who is pulling off the I mean I don't want to spoil the Hijack season 1 too much but like there's some people who could take revenge against Idris Elba's character sure. on this show they could hijack right. so you're saying another season
3: season 2 an, he is the target Rather than yes, just, they, uh, will hijack, yeah, they will hijack a vehicle redundant. that
2: because he is on it, this right, time, right, right, I, right, I would imagine, unless they go full speed to cruise control and then they just so happen to be hijacking another vehicle that I just was on, which I will fully accept and embrace. I am here for hijack season two, despite its unlikeliness.
3: Hmm, uh, yeah, I am you're too. not, you're, you're I dude. know, oh, I, I, dubious. I oh, okay. listen in the, over the height of summer, I was just sweltering on my couch needing something desperately to look forward to at the end of long days, I was so happy for those episodes of Hijack. so
2: I will, um, I do wonder more. which Kill List uh, cast member will be on this ep- uh, on this season I feel like <laughs> Michael Smiley, big candidate I feel also, like this is a, a subtle through line for us big fans
3: here do feel like I need to add a coda to last week's episode while we're talking about TV, that Katie, you, who was already somewhat traitor-pilled, has been thoroughly traitor-pilled over the past oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to talk about it. I watched all of UK Traders. Dave, did you go oh any God. further with UK Traders?
0: Oh, I finished the first season of UK
3: Traders.
1: Uh, man, I was just delighted uh, at man. the end it of did, that it season. It did end
3: in the best, in the best it possible has way.
1: So, it has a really good ending.
3: Dare I say that the second season, even better.
1: Wow. I mean, the beauty of the ending of the first season is it like surprises you, and then like you think you know the show. When there are certain people, you're like, "Well, that idiot's never going to make it to the finals," and then you're surprised. I'm not gonna. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I texted David about it a lot. I remind you, my listeners, I have a broken ankle
3: and therefore <laughs> yeah. have an excuse
1: to sit around a lot. Listen, and that no is excuse, why...
3: No excuse necessary. <laughs> All traders at any time is good traders. No uh, guilty
1: pleasure whatsoever. I but I am two, so,
3: the, like, the UK si- is still not available in this country. You, you have to use a VPN, but I promise you it is worth the wait.
1: The sincere idiots of the UK season one, who I love so much, toggling between them and the like cold eyed psychos of American season two, yeah. where they like all have like 10 strategies laid out in front of them was so jarring, but I'm very excited to get to like back to Parvati and Dan and people who like, who still are kind of idiots, but in a different way. It's such a great show.
2: I, I need to interject here and note something. You know why this podcast is great? We haven't even started the show yet. No, that's true.
3: This <laughs> is yeah, the we're beginning. the we're the only this film the podcast preamble. that rambles at length before. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our what some would say our competitive it, uh, advantage. Yeah, no yeah. one else has ever done it.
0: Mm-hmm. Back in my day, people used to yell at Mark Marin for. 45 seconds worth of bullshit at the top of his <laughs> podcast. And look at us. Well,
2: you think our, our letter no. segment is the Mark Marin intro to WTF? I mean, is it it's that bad?
0: Here's, here's the important thing about the letter segment. Write in
2: if you feel this way.
0: <laughs> you have so much power in this segment. If you review us on the Apple iTunes Store That's right. podcast app mm. in the US, we will read it. If you email us at at gmail.com we will read it. If you don't do either of those things, we will fill this space with things you hate even more. I've gotten two GLs since we last talked about Star Wars:
2: Galaxy of Heroes.
3: God, that's just an example. Am i Am to talking about
2: falling off Marvel Snap?
3: I'm falling. I mean, I'm, I'm falling sad. on Marvel Snap even deeper. I'm
2: falling. I'm falling off. How are
3: we? Okay. Really? Okay. 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 Really we're about we're actually going to talk about. We actually We have an agenda
0: we need to keep that for threats uh (laughs) there's obviously lots of marvel snap there uh let's get on with the show
1: I, I'm going to start because this segment was my idea. And I know that sometimes when David goes to a film festival and no one else does, we get 10 minutes of David uh, talking to himself about the movies that he's seen. But and I've people seen. people would pay good
3: money for that. That's true. <laughs> well,
1: that's your Patreon. Uh, I have, hmm. uh, I saw four Sundance movies, two of which I think we should talk about. But anyway, but you I not
2: You did not attend the Sundance. I did not attend. I, we I, was, still I had do access the on virtual. the digital,
1: I had access okay. on the virtual platform, which is really interesting. David didn't go to Sundance either, although. As a New York critic, I think he had access to films that were not on the virtual platform like they were for me. Um, but people who went to Park City seemed to think that it was, like, actually worth going. Maybe if you don't have small children who will get every illness you would pick up on the way there and back. Um, but, David, your piece for IndieWire was kind of making the case that, like, Sundance was sort of more back this year, even though nobody paid $20 million for a fair play. Uh, where'd you land on that?
3: People paid almost $20 million for some other movies. Um <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, my piece is is complicated. I'm sort of of two minds that you know the festival is still having something of an identity crisis, but so many of the movies that I saw this year were sort of um, about this, you know, like a feeling that was almost posthumous of like putting one identity behind them and, and trying to move forward into something new and bold and uh, uncomfortable, but that took a lot of courage. I mean, you see that. In some cases, more literally than others. There was a Renata Reinsva, uh Anderson. Uh, what's his name? Anderson Daniel. Dan. What? Someone help me out. My brain is. Confused, I have like no idea what you're talking you about. Worst I person you in the ideas. world. We're talking about no
1: worst uh, person uh, in the uh, world. The... Oh. Uh, oh, now, yeah, Ander- Excuse oh, me. Oh my god.
3: Anders Daniel. Anders Danielson. Lie. Okay, I was right. I don't know why I did it myself. Okay. Never do that. Um, a movie about the dead coming back to life. Uh, three characters who like wake up in Oslo one day and their dead loved ones are back and they are trying to uh, deal with that. But you also saw that in what, for me, was the film of the festival, which was Jane Schoenbrun's I Saw the TV Glow, which is very much about um, you know, trans identity in in um, amorphous and, and metaphorical ways, but um, about a character sort of emerging from one identity and realizing the sort of dysphoric feeling that they've been carrying their whole lives through the lens of a very 90s. Are you afraid of the dark slash Alex Mack kind of coded TV show. Um, and I love that. That's absolutely going to be one of the best films of the year. A24 is putting it out. Uh, and is that going to be a movie that people are
1: going to go? I know A24 has it, but like are like are people going to see this movie? Cause Jane Chumbridge's last Sundance movie was pretty niche. I couldn't tell how niche this one was.
3: I mean, it, I, I certainly think there's a much. Well, there's potential came for out a much
2: shutter, right? Like there's a big. Sure, um, um, yeah. The distributor's different. It out.
3: I don't think Shutter was the original distributor in that yeah, one. Like I I it was Utopia. It was Utopia. Oh I think. wow! But okay. um, yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely a bigger. They're painting on a bigger canvas. Um, it is. Uh, I do think it has a, a broader sensibility to it um there are known actors in the film phoebe bridgers has a cameo uh, among others um yeah i i do think that people will see this movie i also think that it was like so clearly head and shoulders above most of what was at the festival that the critical hosannas will continue to follow it throughout the year and that uh, in of itself will attract an audience i can't say if it's going to you know do barbie level numbers but i think uh <laughs> okay, i, I do right. think It's going to get out of the festival festival bubble.
1: Uh, I want to know about A Real Pain, your your take on it, because that's one of the ones that I saw. And it was like, it seemed to also break out of the festival bubble in some way. Um, I heard multiple people being like, all right, Kieran Culkin's Oscar campaign is going to start for this one. Um, Because it's really a two-hander between him and Jesse Eisenberg, who is directing. Searchlight picked it up. It kind of was one of the big acquisitions from the festival. And I watched it at home on the platform and found it like, Very Sundancy, but kind of in the good version of very Sundancy where it's like small and focused and like has a like pretty limited scope, but gets at a lot and doesn't kind of, um, it's reach doesn't, hang on, reach doesn't out, reach its grasp. What's the metaphor for that? Reach Uh, doesn't
3: exceed its grasp.
1: There you go. Um, so I liked, I liked it a good bit and I wondered what your read on that one was.
3: I'm more or less on the same page with you. I wish that it's reach had been a little bit further. Um, it felt extremely slight to me. Um, I sort of vibe with you know, it's funny, I, I was joking on Letterboxd uh that uh you know, speaking of, that this is a movie about two American Jews uh who live in New York named David and Benjamin, who go to Poland to visit their grand their, their grandmother's hometown, uh that she fled in nineteen thirty nine I believe and I my name is David Benjamin and my grandfather fled Poland because of the Holocaust in 1938 and so I could not at all relate to this movie um, mm. It was just uh, uh not close enough to home for me but uh no I mean I think I I was I was definitely vibing with a lot of what he was saying about the ways in which we share and express pain the limits of that both historically and interpersonally um it's all very well sketched uh but it, it felt kind of schematic to me um I didn't, I know people like the Kieran Culkin character, but I think we all do, but like this didn't, I, I don't know the, the way that he would sort of turn on and turn off in terms of his reactions to people. I, it just, it didn't, it read a little false to me. Um, I don't know. And their dynamic only carried me so far. I was not overly impressed. I have to say, but uh, yeah. it's, it's a nice movie. Um, less I uh, wonder what I mean, the
1: future uh, for nice sundance movies cuz like I think we can agree like it's not on the level of past lives like past lives is not like no. on, on my top 10 but like I think this is a smaller movie than that and I wonder what the market is for small not crazy ambitious I mean,
2: the sundance is, movies is hulu where searchlight will have this movie thrive not in theaters like this is not I mean it will, go to, like, it will go to theaters to like if they want it to be get indie spirit nominations which it will see at home
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't no, mind seeing the, it at home at all. Yeah. But I think that's a problem. I mean, that's the like kind of untenable movies. thing of virtual one. Sundance is you're watching these Sundance movies at home and you're like, aha, yes, these belong at home. And like I've seen tons of movie in person at Sundance that no one should have ever seen on a big screen. No, no, sorry, that's unfair. Not no one, but like I did not feel I benefited <laughs> at all from having seen on a big screen. Um, it would, but it it does, would like,
3: diminish the holy name of AMC if it uh, played on <laughs> multiplex screens.
1: But like I'm very grateful for the access to Sundance, but I do wonder if it sets the expectations for some of these lower than they deserve to be.
3: Well, you know, I don't know. I, think I mean, I, think, I think all these movies benefit context. from.
2: Actually, mm. because we often go to Sundance and see movies that no one hears about until they watch them at home accidentally on a streaming platforms in big theaters full of audiences. And then, like, and I think sometimes we see movies. I mean, I feel this way about Sundance, where it's just like, okay, had a good time, but it, I, we I laughed, think that, we cried yeah. a little. Like, you, would you it benefit the from the big that audience?
3: The, the way yeah. in which we watch movies has influenced the way in which movies are then shot. You know, certainly the like Sundance coded movies that are made of mind towards getting into the festival. And there is a, you know, there are lovely shots of the Polish countryside and some of the smaller cities in, uh, in real pain, but in a real pain rather, but it it is not a particularly cinematic film. Um, and it is very refreshing to see a movie like I saw the TV glow or Aaron Shinbriam's a different man, which I also loved. um, Sasquatch Sunset by the Zellner mm, Brothers. Can't wait for that you know, one. Or, and really, uh, one of them that that I really was a visceral experience is this Cher Ronan vehicle called The Outrun uh, in which she plays. Oh, it's her based on a memoir. Thing. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's not a masterpiece by any means, but it's like a very solid and elemental character drama in which uh, it's her first modern set performance since 2015. Um, and uh, I will caution people who are the alarm bells going off in their head that foe which took place in 2065 that's not modern but it's <laughs> futuristic um but uh um but there is uh, um yeah that movie it's so she's a recovering alcoholic she goes back from london where she was in grad school to her home on the in the uh, orkney islands in scotland uh or an island ireland scotland scotland uh she is irish York, you,
1: you get in trouble for things um, like this when you mix I, up these, know, uh, various which is why different. which
3: is why i because of the my anxiety um that manifests around things like that always get it wrong because i'm so
1: <laughs> you're so worried you're gonna get it wrong you get it more um, wrong um,
3: yes that is typically how it goes with me but uh uh yeah and like there's uh, the windswept vistas and uh you know like the wind is like a major character in this film and it really does that's the kind of movie that really would i had the i had the luxury of seeing it Uh, in a screening room with Dolby sound in Manhattan. And that was not on the virtual platform and for good reason. Um, And that movie, I think would really suffer from watching on a television or a computer.
1: Anything else anyone is curious about from Sundance? We'll have time to talk about some of these movies, presumably as the year goes on.
3: I mean, it's been, I just want to say overall that it's been a pretty robust market. I mean, I know we all are understandably skeptical about how some of these movies are going to perform when they get out into the world. But is, certainly people have been buying them, um, which is not a bad sign. Uh, you know, you have the streamers in the mix paying $17 million for a midnight movie. It's What's Inside that I didn't see. Um, no. you know, Who bought that
2: uh, Netflix, uh, that I think. Was,
3: that was Netflix, of course. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, and they bought Daughters, which was a very good documentary about a daddy-daughter dance uh, for black girls in, around Washington, D.C. whose fathers are in prison. An extremely moving film. Um but oh, yeah, they bought the
1: uh, oh, Warner Brothers. Actually, this leads very well into uh, our well, kind of into our next segment about universes. Warner Brothers bought the Christopher Reeve documentary and apparently yeah. might release it under the DC Films banner, which is. Wow. So funny. Yeah,
3: like, really they so heard that s-
1: family enough. That, <laughs> can't yeah. figure out what to do about their cinematic I, I universes. I saw so everything I needed to
2: see in the chrono bowl last year with the Flash.
1: I don't also know, what not approved by say? the family we've learned since. <laughs> Uh, uh I guess the Reed family would take their fifteen million even if uh <laughs> let, let bygones by bygones.
2: I mean, my one question, David's having seen a bunch of the movies maybe, is something that you kind of touched on, and I'm I'm always interested in this where it's like, what is cinematic, what's not in this Sundance are these kind of like dramas sliding into something that's almost more streaming or TV or something like that. The the Midnight Slate horror movie genre movies don't seem to have this problem. They almost seem no. Like the the whole point is to seem excessive or or extremely cinematic. We're gonna pick a stylistic lane. And we're gonna go all in. Why do you think dramas don't do this? If if low well, budget horror movies can do this, why do you think? Like, don't you think a a, a drama could be more of, cinematic? Of or is it because uh, it's not palatable to to buyers? That I, it's I don't like I don't think it's of, the Jesse Eisenberg of the world need to make a movie that Hulu will play
3: this doesn't require a particularly sophisticated answer, which is that like, sure. Dramas like all films could benefit from different choices behind the camera, but you can just based on what's on the page uh, of a screenplay, you know, put up a competent drama on the screen. It does not suffer experience as an experience as noticeably as a horror movie would, if it were shot by, I don't want to use like Mark Duplass as an example, because there was a creep movies, but he didn't direct them. Um, but like, you know what I mean? You know, if if, it were, if Jesse Eisenberg, you know, if, uh, If, if, yeah, if if, if there was a slasher movie shot in the same style as a real pain, it wouldn't really have any impact. And so, horror is more marketable for that reason. It also requires a certain degree of uh, formal expertise in a way that other genres do not. Um, And TV has just come for
2: movies, though, in this way. Sure. It's not movies being lazy or something, for to find style. It's that TV has been more cinematic.
3: Well but uh there's um i uh i will say it's one of the the least interesting films i saw at sundance although it seemed to do relatively well in the horror community was an incredibly sort of formalized horror film called um uh, in a violent nature which is That's sort true. of like an ambient slasher shot yeah, from so I've heard the Malak killers in
2: many times which yeah i
3: mean for i guess maybe for a, lieu of a better I, I i don't think it is if you touch malican. wheat yeah it, it's it more—it's
2: more of a rebel moonian uh, yeah. film.
3: It—it <laughs> <laughs> it, it is something, um, but yeah, I mean, and that is a movie that is entirely style. Uh, it, it's almost a stylistic exercise with no substance. It's really just about you know seeing a slasher as, uh, from the camera almost like a video game, like removed from behind his neck for parts of it. It—it it really didn't cheats even talk on about the Soderbergh
2: movie where there's a I I didn't see the Soderbergh
3: movie. I, th- I uh,
1: thought you were going to talk about the Soderbergh movie when you were bringing up her
3: no i mean i've had i seen presence which is a ghost pov movie um i'm sure i would have talked about it instead of, we we'll of nature. All see that together man. uh but yeah, um ghost pov yeah i love that but uh, and apparently he is playing the ghost himself which is like him with the camera running around after lucy Lou and the rest I of the cast in the house. uh but um yeah i mean in a nature is like it, just a case study and it patches what you're talking about where it is just like all all slasher movie formalism um, and nowhere to go but it, it is convincing evidence to like why you can't have somebody who doesn't speak that language or understand how horror movies work, even try and fake it, you know, reasonably well. Um, but there's certainly the direct, the, the guy who made that certainly knows what he's doing. And I would look forward to anything he made next, uh, provided it had a little bit more going on under the hood.
2: Sundance, it happened again.
1: It did. It <laughs> happened. We did it. We let this happen again. understand that there's theme park news that is relevant to your your either interests or your bits. <laughs> I don't know how to like, just describe you in the dark universe. Can it, <laughs> it can't be both. Uh, it can't be both. Sincerely yeah, held what, bit.
2: If 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 listeners are not up on theme park news, and I hope for them their own lives and in, in the amount of time we have here on this planet that they are not, but uh this week Universal Studios this has been kind of announced like two years ago, but they finally came out and said they're building a huge, huge park in Orlando. It is called Epic Universe. Um, it is an attempt to mirror what Disney does in Orlando because obviously Universal has had a footprint there for eons now. But I don't know. Dave, you probably know this the best. Like Universal Studios is kind of dinky compared to Disney, right? I just feel like you, IP mega franchise brain. At your core mm, like yeah universal... i think they
0: were they announced this expansion uh back in like 2016 2017. like it got
2: delayed and it was supposed to it got start getting yes. built back in 2020 but then the pandemic hit and, uh but this is this is them shooting across the bow at disney and like we're gonna have a huge park and not only that it's gonna have all your favorite ip there uh and as <laughs> revealed this week it it kinda will, I guess. Like it's it's uh, Islands
0: of Adventure Part Two, but which bi- I understand. but really
2: big and having more rides. Like there's actual roller coasters and they're gonna have There's so roller
1: coasters in Islands of Adventure. Sure.
2: Yes. Well, I'm comparing it more to Disney, oh. which I oh. don't I don't think oh, of yes. Disney as like a coaster park. Now they have Tron and now they have a few Correct. other things, but they're not really a like a theme park. They're not like six flags. That's not why you go to Disney World. Sure. Is my understanding. I haven't been there in uh twenty five years. Also dreading eventually having to take my kids out of obligation. We should mm-hmm. maybe sidebar about that at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about let's our, team up. That, that,
0: yeah. you, know, you didn't make the Star Wars hotel, so you're going to have to no, go, on I, go. You know
2: what? I want to stay in a place with windows when I go on this vacation. So <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm glad we Ridiculous. missed that. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, speaking of hotels that are on the property, Epic Universe has one of these. It's a very strange idea for a park. I think people will go to this out of obligation. But what do you get in this weird, epic universe? You get the Super Nintendo World, which already exists in Hollywood and Japan, and now you'll get a big version that you can run around like Mario, and it made a billion dollars. So this is now a property with Illumination and Universal. They're all in, I would imagine. Like, Do you think we'll get multiple Mario movies and and spinoffs? now like yeah are you kidding donkey kong movie i don't know yeah i'm not sure they're nintendo's very precious about this stuff so i'm not they they haven't even announced super mario 2
1: no, I mean, have I, mean, I told you that my kids keep out? I told them that there was like going to be a Zelda movie, and now they're like, so when's it coming out? I'm like, guys, right. when you're in middle school. Like, just, yeah. you yeah. cannot fathom how long it's going to take. That's, You'll that's be, a smart, your
2: kids will be, like, hornt when the Zelda movie comes out. That's <laughs> Why? Part why, rest, why you
3: got to do that to kids. I just want to be. be
2: realistic. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the bonus of
0: the Nintendo world is that it's never going to be movies-based. So, like, the one sure. in... The, that's the one in the. There's a billion the, uh, games. You don't need to the be current, movie based. Right, right,
2: right. So the yeah, Princess Peach will be there. Mario Kart. You can Yoshi. Blah blah blah.
0: Okay, and then they have well, another I mean, the, bigger. The, the, the Donkey Kong roller coaster is actually going to be incredibly cool.
2: Uh, which is something that they're the... also doing that in Japan. That will be rad. Um, yes, and and maybe you know Hollywood. Uh, and they're gonna have a new Harry Potter land. and It's gonna be big. Like I thought, the weirdest part about this announcement was it's they're building like the Ministry of Magic, where like the true fascism awfulness of the Harry Potter world takes place sure build this like austere black <laughs> like horrible place that exists in uh the harry potter world and have cirque du soleil shows great they're doing a how to train your dragon world they're making a live action how to train your dragon are we all aware of this that this is happening mm-hmm. that universal is now in on the disney plot to remake are we gonna get a live actions minions movie do you think that's gonna happen i <laughs> no. think that will there's, happen in there's no 10 years the first there's no live way. action grew Can we get
0: that? The Uncanny yeah.
1: Valley is calling and says who no. Who played play
2: Gru?
0: I mean, uh, that, <laughs> who grew a mixed a mixed media one Cassand like what they Huber. did with, what Paramount did with SpongeBob. I think is definitely in in mm. the cards, but I don't know what a live action Minions is. Like, do you have? Do you make them look more realistic? Yeah, you do you CG go the Disney them. route, Or you're I like, oh, now I, their skin no needs to have to texture. That.
2: Anyway, we're getting that was a long road away from there's already a minion land at the original Hollywood or the Universal Studios, so we don't have to worry about that. Epic universe, we get the how to train in Dragonverse. And then the the two wrinkles of this that made me laugh are we're getting a, a park called Celestial Park, it's about astronomy. That is my big takeaway. You go through portals, I guess, and get to this park, and there's like a big astronomy themed. For some reason. Maybe there's a movie. Maybe this is the kids Tom like Cruise. A sh- Doug Liman. Is this the D- Tom Cruise NASA movie where he goes to real space? Can um, the IP buddy.
1: just be space? Like kids I like think space. the IP is
2: space. Yeah. I think that's Universal great. Universal will own space in uh, I mean, Space
1: Mountain's been around for 50 years and people like that. So here's the big one.
2: Dark Universe. <laughs> the
1: bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: the failed franchise that included The Mummy, speaking of Tom Cruise, kind of included Dracula Untold. I don't know if I showed you guys this. The podcast will not be able to see this. I now own a gigantic Dracula Untold cup. I bought it off wow. eBay. It is it is enormous. <laughs> it is uh, my brand is real.
1: That was I part of the Dark of, Universe?
2: Not technically. Folded in after the fact after okay. it had already collapsed. Because The we Mummy just, was
1: the only Dark Universe movie actually made, right?
2: Well, that I think people wanted there to be more than one. So we decided Dracula and told as part of the Dark Universe. We to be were less of a we, you
1: or Universal? We, yes. Universal,
2: <laughs> Universal <laughs> decided, uh, af- yes,
0: afterwards that it anyway, was part of the Dark Universe already.
2: The point here is years after Dark Universe collapsed, that there was no looking back, the Epic Universe Park will now include a section called Dark Universe. There is a wow. new logo. Dark Universe is back. It has been revived. It is alive. The fans have triumphed. Uh, I don't know. They think that Universal Monsters is still a thing that they are ready to promote at Universal. I'm here to tell you that, that Frankenstein's monster is there. Dracula will be present. The werewolf will be there in a spinning roller coaster, whatever that means. Yes, Wolfman. Um, maybe my most important takeaway is that there's a new character called Dr. Victoria Frankenstein, I'm not sure where she factors into the Dark Universe. I'm just glad that it's not all men at Dark Universe anymore. And it is Victoria high time is we get some girl bosses in the Dark undead. Universe. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this whole segment, but uh, I'm really glad to see that Dark Universe would you, is alive. Would you like to hear
0: how Victoria Frankenstein factors into the Dark Universe? This will universe. be a reveal
2: for me, yeah. So There's it a story takes... to this part, of oh, mine Yes.
0: You. Uh, It takes place post-canon to all of the uh, Dark Universe monsters you know and love, which of course also means Victor Frankenstein not alive, depending on which Universal movies you decide to use for your Frankenstein movie. So Victoria Frankenstein has uh, gathered the Universal monsters to run experiments on them and try to make a more perfect person, and that will be the dark ride in uh, Dark Universe. You will enter you will, this, like, Victorian-looking castle, you will climb up the stairs to the load zone, and it's going to be a dark ride, uh, but it's also on the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey arm ride system, which is why we know, because they patented it, and it's very obvious that it's, like, steampunky, and you're sitting in coffins, and it's, like, this is the Dark Universe uh, ride. So, I guess the only thing is, is going raises... to the
3: Dark Universe, yeah. Patch's greatest fantasy in life, dude. Like, like mine is being on <laughs> the UK traders uh, and Patches <laughs> is, is going through the wardrobe, you know, Narnia style. I to just the want to sit universe. in the theater
2: again and see that amazing logo mm. one more time so we can all <laughs> hoot and holler. Uh, does, do the monsters have, I mean, this is my last question on this inane segment, which is like, Universal's trying to cash in on Universal monsters. Does it even matter? Like, is Dark Universe a thing, or have they essentially built Dracula Park, which has instant appeal, no matter... <laughs> instant appeal to Dracula. The <laughs> yeah. so it's,
1: it's, it's, all the it's Draculas the
2: same, will show up.
0: It's the same reason as Disney doing, like, select live-action, uh, remakes, is you build a park around an IP... And this IP, because of when Universal started making monster movies, will be public domain very, very soon. But not the versions that appear in the park. That's, you get a new IP stamp. So they're, like, effectively extending Mm. whatever the Dark Universe Frankenstein design is for uh, over another hundred years, at least. Uh, So I always thought that this was the reason they keep trying so hard and the reason why they keep trying Dark Universe is all of those characters are going to become public Ola domain at some point. lives
2: on as an, as an amusement park ride. That is, I, w-
0: that I, I would love that. He, I mean, he would will. not like it, but I, I'm i going to love it. Patches, I will definitely go to Dark Universe Let's with you. you kidding? Let's go all together. Live Damn. show at Epic, at universe, Epic universe. Dark Universe. Sunset. Live from Celestial Gardens. I'm just imagining like, taking like t- 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 say <laughs>
3: taking Asa to the Dark Universe universe, and trying to explain to him what all the things are and why you should be excited and like see the waves of awe and uh, skepticism flood over his face. Yeah. <laughs> he time. starts
0: with Dark Universe, then you get to do Mario. You have to eat your Dark Universe <laughs> before you get Mario for
2: dessert.
3: We have to go on the Tom Cruise mummy coaster before <laughs> we go on Princess Peach's teacup ride.
2: I, I, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy here but in uh with this announcement I did get a piece of swag that I was in true awe of that it, it it made me sad receiving this from Universal Studios it was a this thing had to be 10 pounds in the mail a replica of the chronos now this is the tower that will be in the park the of mythos we all a know. mythos to the park this. in case you need to know <laughs> before it opens in this park, you 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 travel, and if you watch the video about Epic Universe, Steven Spielberg is there to explain it to you. That you actually go through portals to go to the different lands in this park. There's a mm-hmm. narrative. Steven Spielberg will tell you, and you enter through the Kronos. Now, I was sent a replica of this tower that will be eventually built in Orlando, Florida, where Ron DeSantis is the lord of this place. Um, and he and he at the temple that is known as the Kronos. And I was sent this replica, 20 pounds 10, 20 pounds. You put discs into it. They want me to get very hyped to get like my Hogwarts disc in a month or two or three to put in this thing. My children don't know what to make of this. It's still on my dining room table. I don't know what to do with a replica of the Kronos from Epic Universe. I'm lost <laughs> in this world. You have confused me deeply universe studios wait five I'm years and so
0: it'll be the dracula untold plastic cup of your life where you're like i wish i would have kept the Kronos when i <laughs> yes. had the chance
2: <laughs> my daughter keeps asking <laughs> me does this do anything i'm like no but just wait <laughs> <laughs> just wait <laughs> just wait until you care
1: we're gonna do um, a segment someday about the swag that has most baffled our children because i really feel like i got some good ones uh, to, to throw in there
2: anyway i'm excited Dark universe.
1: So you're gonna take your children to the dark universe, <sighs> to like, epic we universe. We wanted to go to Disney.
2: What are you doing? It's right <laughs> over there. <laughs> Mario's right on the other side. No, no, no. Dark
1: my children will be able to see Hogwarts, and yet we're going to Monsters <laughs> yeah. Unchained, the Frankenstein
2: <laughs> experiment dark ride. <laughs>
0: This week, we all watched a film on Netflix. It is by director J.A. Bayona, who I, the last movie I saw was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that he directed, which had some fine grace notes despite uh, being kind of a mess of a film. But this time, he's taking on a completely different subject matter. It is the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Whether you know it from the 1993 survival movie Alive, where they asked what if this true story happened to white people, or <laughs> from one of the many books. Is that uh,
2: true? I don't actually know enough about they, they were Ethan inspired Hawk by this. in it, right? No, I know that, but like, where they were inspired by this and just decided, eh, we'll make a fake so- I, one. <laughs>
3: I have been very alarmed at how little uh, talk about Alive I've seen uh, as Society of the Snow has gotten increasingly popular over the last few weeks, like... It's just been totally memory hole that there was a movie about this, which was quite popular. I rented it on video in the 90s. Everyone <laughs> I know was was, you know, calm. was like conversant about this movie. Uh, it's very strange to me.
0: I well, but they, So they are
1: it. just playing Uruguayans. They're not like being like, yeah, we're a bunch of American soccer players. Like it was the 90s and you could play. You yeah. play no, anyone. I know, I know. I just was trying to figure <laughs> out like what they changed. Exactly.
0: Sorry, I thought more people would have known of Alive and got my joke that uh, finally it's been told with uh, actual Spanish-speaking people in the cast. Um, uh, but I, the most I remember about Alive uh, is, one, uh, comparing the eating of people to Holy Communion, which Society of the Snow uh, dodges, I think, to its benefit. And two, the Simpsons joke where alive is on in the background, and you hear on the movie, at least we're all alive. <laughs> Pass me another hunk of co pilot. Um, <laughs> so, this is a very true story of a whole bunch of rugby players, footballers, I guess, uh, crashing uh, in the Andes Mountains as they are on their way to Chile. Um, and they lived out there for like two months. Uh, they were abandoned uh, once the initial rescue planes couldn't see the fuselage of the plane uh, against the snow. Everything was white, and they were in a really awkward spot because their uh, their pilot accidentally clipped a mountain, which wreaks havoc it's on bad. the plane. You're not
2: supposed to do Very that. Bad. Yeah, as depicted in this movie, it looks quite
3: awful. It's you less than ideal. What yeah, I we'll talk about that
1: plane crash scene. It uh, looks horrible. Yeah, I, m- I, I will. I
3: have, I have to say that I uh, I did not watch this one because I've seen Alive, two because it was Sundance, and three because only under extreme duress will I watch movies about plane crashes. It just it's uh, not it's for the me.
2: Movies when you can read the news about Boeing. Am I oh, right? Boy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I watched this movie only after I was done having taken some uh, plane uh, trips in this month, and I was very glad I did not have any coming up.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, all the things that I talked about, they're a team, uh, they're on a plane, the plane crashes, they have to survive. That's like the first 20 minutes of this uh, two and a half hour movie. Uh, <laughs> the rest is the tale of that survival, and it's not like we're bouncing back and forth between society and the, the guys, or I'm sorry, the people that eventually are wintered down just of the guys, but we are with them all the way as it sort of takes uh, beat by beat um, a look at some of the very real obstacles they overcame. Uh, not the least of which is turning to eating their dead. Um, uh, yeah.
2: I A mean, very cold look, movie. Eating your dead, horrible. Getting yes. piled on by avalanches, horrible. I gotta say, though, they were there for 72 days. And according to this movie, they spent a lot of time chit-chatting. And I just could not imagine <laughs> talking and making small talk this to the much. the same people. There's just so much talking, uh, sitting around and just wondering how you feel. And I just... I, would I think you run out of, of awkward, awkward
1: silences though. Like ever like <laughs> if you're being silent, no one's gonna be like, Oh, well, what's what's eating you? Huh? Play
2: mafia. Oh, wow. Did we not lo- I mean, <laughs> well, did they
0: not did they yeah. they try to play one game which is like a rhyming game and they're yeah. rewarded by being buried alive by an avalanche. So that maybe. Rhyming no rhyming game games. is one of
1: those times when you're watching a movie with subtitles, you're like what did they really say? Cause like the, the subtitles rhyme and you're like, there's no way that the original like, rhyme. It, it, I, it made me marvel at the work of, of they, uh, they fudge also. it
3: the same way that uh film critic, David Ehrlich does his 25 yes. best films of the year video. But, uh, <laughs> just so speaking of the dub, just a necessary moment of silence for those of uh, anyone out there, cursed enough to know this information about Jeff Wells, uh, watching this movie in the English language dub that it defaults to on Netflix. And insisting it does? that... Oh, mine yeah. did
2: not default to an English, yeah. English
3: language. But insisting insisting that uh, he watched the English language version of the film where everyone was actually speaking English and not a dub. Um, oh and refusing to back down from that position. I mean, this is inside baseball of a lonesome character and not worth the time it takes to discuss, but... Just really has been has been warming my heart over the last couple of weeks. Every time I need a laugh, I just think about Here, that. Makes me here's happy. The
0: thing to, here's the thing to maybe kick us off on the overalls. Yeah. Um, fantastic cinematography. Eight mountains level of how the fuck did they haul a camera did up there you and get watch, that shot?
2: There is a whole 30 minute documentary on Netflix. I'll give Netflix some credit. Look, the DVD era is over. Special features seem dead. They are not. All of this EPK stuff and like they're producing full documentaries. Disney Plus have been doing this too for their shows. Yeah. there There is like a full documentary on the making of this film on Netflix alongside it, which I happened to watch as well because I was right with you, Dave. How did they do this? How did they go out and film what looks like an entire movie set in the Andes in the middle of. Snowy time.
3: Also, why don't Um, they do director's commentaries, actors' commentaries? Just throw them up on Netflix as an alternate audio track.
0: I mean, you can watch the Barbie Barbie one's pretty solid on Max.
3: No, but as long as you are still watching Netflix, they are happy.
2: Uh, I got to let you get that in, Dave. There's a Barbie commentary on Max. I don't think you can watch I think you can watch the Greta Gerwig commentary on Max. Mm. Uh, Glad someone is uh, picking up what I'm putting Uh, down. Dave, do you know how? Did you read at all about how they were shooting the film? Or I did not. I film? saw
0: that they had this extra material, uh, but after uh, 144 minutes of this movie, I was ready <laughs> to like, think I'm now about done something with else. This movie, uh, uh, yeah. But I, I'm curious if you. I'll get it. to.
2: I'll, I'll I'll talk a little about that. I mean, it's not terribly uh, surprising, but after we dig in a little critically here. I could talk about that, but got yeah, it. A big so guy.
0: my my overall thought is, I get to the end of this movie, I can very clearly see the motions of the movie and how this one differs from something like Alive in just really focusing on the teamwork aspect. But mm-hmm. there's something missing from this movie to allow it to hit at the level what it is. <sighs> and I think what it really is is it's just there's too many characters, and it really does its best to give honor to both the living and the dead. As best that it can and too much shit happens to those characters so as we're going through all these things um like i know eventually how it ends in real life because like apollo 13 you there's a real life and no spoilers because it happened uh so i know what we're sort of building to but then when it happens i feel like i've been pulled in so many different directions and each one of those directions is genuinely tragic uh, every one of these characters has a very tragic story to tell or a very um, like realistic and therefore tragic view on their prospects uh, and or eating people. I, I was just inundated with too much. But this is,
2: uh, yeah, I, I think was that... cold.
0: I was sad. And by the you end, I'm cold. just like, Whoa, oh, you. I'm glad that's over. Not necessarily where I think the movie wanted me to
2: land. It's an interesting line or like a threshold cross. Dramatically, that you can almost be too faithful. You can almost care too much about each individual. That when you try and do something that's skewing more toward documentary, toward truth, that you don't make enough choices dramatically to kind of like not entertain, but grab the audience. Like everyone in any kind of tragic situation has a story, has a backstory, has dimension, has extension of their family. Like, there's going to be something to say about every type of every person who's involved with something. Uh, you could tell a movie about each person. If you really wanted to, if you do them all, you've suddenly picked no lane. And this movie's for me, like the middle of it was really flat. I was kind of joking. Like there's a when, lot when of when the, na- when the
0: narrator dies and you're like, so what are we doing now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, a spoiler.
1: Um, no, I <laughs> actually like,
2: I, I, I was kind of expecting that the amount of he taught, he was talking throughout the movie. Um, but yeah, I just I just think like by having so many characters and trying to be so faithful to what really happened that the movie doesn't try and dramatize it enough. Thinks that the situation is tragic enough to be
1: Which it is. Drama.
2: No. But it doesn't
1: make I mean, the situation is tragic, but it yes. I I agree with you completely that like it doesn't Bring you like the, you get overwhelmed to the point where you're like, what can I grab onto what is like the small thing that I can root for other than just like the no longer like everyone is to survive yeah 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 because uh, like you get you can kind of like, grab onto like individual things but then they kind of disappear into the mass of everybody else and they don't really dramatize everybody you know it's not like they're like we are going to devote ourselves to the you know what seventeen survivors however many people like we're gonna tell all of their stories they don't you can't do that in one movie so why not narrow it down more to four or you know, I don't think it's disrespectful to the survivors to focus your story a little bit more.
2: I, th- I this, David, you may have thoughts here too that um, Jay Beona who made this film, now he's Spanish.
1: He's yeah. This is this is Spain's film is, uh, submission and, for international feature.
2: Right, Spain submitting this. This is a Uruguayan story about a flight to Chile. It is Spain,
1: and I think they f- it was the Oscar. Filmed- How does that work? It was filmed it, in Spain to a large extent uh, and also in mean, well, it's Uruguay. it's
3: all about where the money comes from, where the films are produced. I mean, this is I a common this is a common theme this year because no, you I have know. you know the taste of things which was not shortlisted for some inexplicable reason. Uh, well, it was Vendors made by Viet, the Japanese Vietnamese director the, Finn Vendors. Yeah. Uh yeah. right, the director so of of Days. is English. Right. Um well, so yeah, this is uh what it's I'm a big mix and match this year.
2: What I'm what I'm getting more at is down at the as a filmmaker as he has emerged i thought a lot about a film katie i think you and i sat in a theater at like tiff or something in the, the impossible? impossible yeah um which was his follow-up to the orphanage which was obviously quite revered um horror movie and then we saw the impossible which seemed like a step up and i thought there were a lot of like, no nope. no no it didn't comparisons <laughs> I mean, let's, let's not
3: speak too generally about <laughs> hang on and, and me, the impossible was a step up from anything the step it was up was a step a, up in the, scope the impossible was a step up from being a victim of a tsunami but uh, okay, <laughs> I okay. that's about okay. it
1: uh, step up
2: in attention <laughs> this is why you got partially blocked by Jay Bayon on, on Twitter um, <laughs>
3: awful 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 <laughs> well, fucking white savior piece of trash movie
2: it is but here's the thing it's it's big and it's like competently made in terms it's a white of white savior trying it's more just depicting like, anyway. the tragedy and depicting the 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 tsunami itself, like there's ambition to make big movies that still feel dramatic. But I'm like, I'm with you, David. Like watching that movie with a with a young Tom Holland, uh, Ewan McGregor. He's good in, in that movie. Lots. Um, I was pretty removed. I I did not find that to be an emotional experience. I found it to be. I found like myself ground down by how tragic and awful it was to watch the depiction of the tsunami. But I didn't find it emotional. And I found myself, and I've seen a lot of people kind of like weeping over *Society of the Snow*. Like this is one of the more emotional films of the year for people. And I don't mean this, to, like, you know, they can feel what they feel. But like I was removed by this movie too. Like there's some pretty startling sequences. We see the crash in very grisly detail. I when I started watching the movie, it's funny that Jeff Wells accidentally watched this movie with um, the English uh, dub on. It did not default that way to me. What it defaulted to, and maybe this is my own settings, it was defaulting to English with closed captioning. So I was not only getting the uh, subtitling on the Spanish language, but I was getting audio uh, bones subtitling. crunching,
1: metal so that's squealing. Exact, yeah, when
2: the yeah. crash happens, we <laughs> oh, see God. like people's legs getting broken, and it's like bone crack. <laughs> like that adds Oof. something. That is. I horrific. mean, The
1: Impossible. This was like a huge selling point of The Impossible too, right? Like The Impossible, right. like the filming of the tsunami was pretty. Spectacular. see and what and it's the plane like crash. to get
2: swept up by a giant yeah. tsunami. And the plane see crash like and crash. the
1: avalanche in this, I think, are the same way. Like, I, you know, as much as I think the storytelling can get lacking, like those sequences are incredible. Like, I don't think they're manipulative or I think like, overdone. They're great.
2: Jay Bayona does really well. Like, mm-hmm. what I like about his Jurassic World sequel, Fallen Kingdom, is that it's almost a horror movie. I think he makes horror movies and that he has mm. bigger reach and he wants to make big movies. But the sequences that he does the best are the ones that are kind of horror movies and cracking bones and getting people sucked out of the plane or the avalanche coming in in the middle of the movie and like totally destroying these guys who are already on the edge. Um, like there's bursts of real sensory overload and terrifying imagery in this and and everything in between. I just did not connect with at all. Like these actors I, seem really. Yeah. strong and interesting personalities mm-hmm. but like they're just talking and talking and talking about kind of nothing.
1: Yeah, what do they got to talk about other than I mean you know, that's the problem, though, the right?
2: Mountains. Dramatically speaking
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, uh yeah, Patches, I like that read on it because the interesting parts of the movie is where uh something was happening. Um but every time I think about those parts of the movie if those things were happening to anybody, they would be effective. There was never a period of society of the snow, no matter how much they try to tell us, you know, like, she refuses to eat the dead, and he doesn't want to leave people behind. And, he wants to, you know, make sure people are getting ready to walk, and, you know, he has an injury on his foot. There were just all these little bits where I'm just like, those can apply to anybody because I... As far as I could tell, character wise, you've randomly applied them, even though I'm sure if I were to look them up, they're all factual things that happen to those people.
1: Now, when he gets to the end and they reunite with their loved ones, much like the ending of The Impossible, when the Family God gets back together, did did it get you in that part? Because even though I didn't remember who was who, I was like, oh, yeah, these family reunions like that works for me.
2: I mean, when someone it's like Castaway when you see when they finally make their connection, it's like, oh my god, get me off this! One. That's a thrill in itself for 128 hours, which we actually discussed on
1: this. Podcast. 127 hours. 20, 27 hours. Don't so you put him under yeah. that rock for another one hour. more hour?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Union contract. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean that stuff is is it, it's all visceral. These moments, these bursts of like when things it's that's the exact right way to put it, Dave. When things are happening. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this movie is effective when things are not happening, which is probably a majority of the time. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a slog, but it's I I did find it kind of astounding to loop back like how did they do this? Where did they go to shoot this stuff? Uh, Jay Bayona between some of his movies shot uh, the first two episodes of this Amazon Lord of the Rings show, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he spent a lot of time watching the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, and I think that this movie is shot like when the Fellowship is walking across that big snowy mountain in Fellowship of the Ring. There's a lot of big close-ups of people's face with other things happening in the distance, like close-ups of objects that are the stand-in for the ring. I feel like Bayonne is cribbing from Peter Jackson a little bit here and probably has reverence for him as a horror guy who wants to step up and do like big movies. And again, that's where this movie really sings. There is some cool cinematography. What I was fascinated by with the documentary is it's a pretty good mix of actually going out in the Andes and shooting on like we went up the ski lift and we went up into a real mountain and just shot the hell out of like real snow sequences. They built a bunch of fuselages that lived on the mountain on gimbals on a backlot where they had to create snow like a lot of you know there's a lot of shit going on in the movie and a lot of um the volume so they used the. Digital screens, no blue screen kind of thing. Um, But it's in that respect is like it's pretty astounding. It's it's seamless in terms of they're on this mountain the whole time. They're in the white zone, just like living among snow in the fuselage. I don't know how they stayed warm. Just seems awful and eating people also bad. Um, But like bad. I did find the filmmaking pretty effective. Like I, I found the technical aspects of trying to get through this whole movie and try and make it interesting. I think he did that. Uh, just don't think the drama I don't think it's on on the page for this
1: one. Unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Boo. Well, <laughs> well I
1: mean, as an interesting movie. Yeah. And disaster movie. If you like, like disaster movies, if you're interested in the like, you know, what does it really look like for this really to happen? Like, there's there's plenty to grab say the, the phrase
2: black piss a bunch of times. Like, there's not many it's, movies that
1: could do that. They show it at one point, like yeah, they they do it's so bad, yeah, I know it's, really don't want that I to don't happen want to crash to on me no i'm gonna i'm gonna give that a hard no
0: i left I left a part out uh, after this movie where I was like I, I had to do something else uh I immediately took a bath and it was mm. warm and it was great, and mm-hmm. I didn't Good have lunch. any infected anything on my body <laughs> it, well, what a time to be alive
2: <laughs> do you think that you would resist eating a person if you were in the this- David?
1: No. no.
2: Definitely not. Uh, eat, I don't even need eat to eat be in guy? that situation
3: to You'd eat, <laughs> eat, just a eat a person. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I do so poorly in the cold that I am much more likely to be eaten on account of being no the first person on. dead. I do not have a lot of meat, but I'm sure my little pockets of fat are delicious. Um, i I do tend to to assume
1: in those scenarios i would not make it long enough to have to choose to eat somebody like if i if we crash
3: landed in a live scenario in like not even a tropical climate just in like a a place where it was a a balmy 70 degrees yeah i think i would have as decent a chance as anybody but crashing in the cold i am i'm fucked my ears are gonna freeze off immediately i'm gonna be begging for death
1: only one way to find out. Let's go to Survivor together. Let's, go, let's, let's get it done. Mm. I would much rather
0: go to Dark Universe. Thank you.
2: Society
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, Society of Dark of the Universe.
2: <laughs> Can we survive <laughs> Dr. Victoria Frankenstein's crazy
0: experiments? <laughs> <laughs> Society of the Snow. It's on Netflix right now. It is uh, Oscar. part of the Oscars. Go, it's nominated go check it for out. International
1: Feature and for Makeup, which I got to say, good makeup nomination. Good the makeup makeup. That makeup movie, A lot of good. soot. Mm-hmm. And like weird skin stuff uh, going yeah, like all those infections that Dave doesn't have. No. Um yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, thank you for reiterating. I do not have any infections. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I see, you're like I didn't have any infections on any part of my body. It's yeah, like any, I a, you do the full check.
0: Yeah. Elsa?
1: Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. We're still trying to talk about movies that are available for everyone to see. Is this a great time of year for that? We'll figure it out and we'll talk about something next week. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are.
2: I am Matt Patches, executive better over at Polygon. I am on Blue Sky. Sorry to Mastodon. If you want to federate, we let's talk about that. Um, I'm on Letterboxd also. And we have a website, com. Where uh, you know we didn't talk about Argyle, Agent Argyle, this week, but uh, the, the r- fake bugs. one or the
3: real Agent Argyle? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ooh, spoilers! Uh, mm. But if if you if you want to get your Matthew Vaughn fix, I'm sure we talked about Kingsman <laughs> at some point. So, um, I recommend going back through the entire archive of fightingtheworm.com dot and mm. uh, and figuring that out.
3: <clears throat> Solid pointed wreck. Uh, I am David Erlich. I'm the critic at IndieWire. You can read my not uh, especially um, insightful or amusing review of Argyle. I just did not have a lot of gas in the tank for this one. Um, a movie that I hated less than most of my colleagues and still did not especially enjoy, but it does almost reach King's Min levels of pop absurdism in the last 20 minutes. It is not worth as long it takes to get there. Uh, Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich, uh, not Mastodon, my deepest condolences to that listener, Um, on Letterboxd and Blue Sky and Instagram in Brooklyn, uh, on the show where you can write to us. We will read whatever it is that you say on the at the start of our episodes. Just go to Fighting in the War Room on your I was going to say your podcast app of choice, but no, it really only serves a purpose if you go on the Apple one. That's where we read it from. If you'd like to email us instead, you can do that at
0: FitWr.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Dave Gonzalez. Spell my first name DA17, which is my handle on Twitter and on Blue Sky and on Mastodon.coffee. That's right, da dot mm. Uh if you would like to follow me there, maybe I'll come back around. I don't know, but that's definitely my account. Uh yeah, please email us uh, your thoughts. Anything you want uh on the show, and if you need more me for some reason, check out the Trial by Content podcast on the Ringer Network.
1: And if you find need more me, you can find me at Little Gold Men, where we're talking about Oscar movies still, and on Vanity Fair, where I'm going to talk to the direct uh, to the uh, makeup artist for Society of the Snow at some point. I'm excited to oh, nice. learn about how they did all of this stuff. I think Jay Abiona will be there as well. Um. I am on Twitter more than I should be. I took it back off my phone after a brief lapse. I'm feeling good about it. Um, and on Blue Sky at Katie Rich, also on Letterboxd there, where when I'm watching movies, I'm posting a lot. And when I'm not, I don't have anything to say, which is a downside of Letterboxd for me because I go through dry spells. Anyway, that's for me to work out. Um, you can find all of us on uh, Twitter and Blue Sky just for now at FITWR, where um, you can tell us more about why we should be using Mastodon, or you can answer this week's light question, which was... Which cinematic animal
0: would make the best spy in the next Matthew Vaughn film? Thanks for listening,
1: and we'll be back talking to you next week.
0: I'll tell you when I'm done.
3: I'm done.